Pubcast. You're going to have cysts and tumors all over your body. Some are cancerous, like around your kidneys. Uh, we don't know much about this condition back then. We know we do know that the life expectancy is short, probably thirty years. So you're going to have probably a short life, mate. You've probably got cancers right now and tumors that you don't even know it. Welcome to the Liberated Healer Podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your host, Gina, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. This is Gina Cavalier. This is a Liberated Healer Podcast. And today we have another fantastic, wonderful, guest for you to get to know and learn from and embrace. So welcome, Chris Jankolovsky. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Long, yeah. long time. Ago. I really gravitate to your story and thank you for the book. Here's a copy of the book, mm-hmm. Your Death Lessons. And I'm just going to briefly tell you why it was a personal thing for me and then we're going to get into your story. But awesome. your medical issues started when you were 19 years old, or that's when all the big stuff started to happen. And my brother had a motorcycle accident when he was 19, and he wound up not making it 10 years later through through self means because he was he had such brain damage and his life had become unbearable. But when I was reading the story, it it was absolutely in to to see how hard this is. These kind of mm-hmm. things. Okay. We appreciate your hard work and effort to get here, to stay here, to transform all that pain and energy and to be a voice for other people that are struggling. So would love to hear about how that story kind of, how that illness kind of came in and scared you and transformed you. And now into this wonderful, amazing man who is a CEO of a large company called Remote Staff and just launching in America. And able to live a full life. Mm. No, thank you. Yeah, look, and wow. I mean, uh, I know the self-inflicted pain your your brother went through. I know how easy it is to give up on life. I have gone there once, and I said, after one of my brain operations, I said to my wife, and everyone I saw, actually, for the first two weeks after an operation, I said, this is nowhere to live. I'd rather be dead than carry on like this. I mean, you can't expect me to live like this. So I know what it's like to get to that dark place. I mean, when we all get spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally broken, I mean, we all think like, how can we ever rebuild our lives after this? And because when we're broken, we can't see beyond our, what's in front of us. And, and so one of the best tips is to, well, first you need a lot of support around you. And then the support, if your support is out there, just do one thing for your loved one who is possibly broken. Just one thing. That's all you need to do. Just get them to see time, the concept of time, because at the moment time doesn't exist other than this pain. Just get them to see time as a concept. Wouldn't it be nice to, can you imagine if we just chat and catch up two years from now or three years from now, just get years ahead of them. Because sometimes when you've got so much pain, you're broken so bad, you can look at that clock and go, how the hell? Am I going to get past 10 minutes, let alone the whole day? It's too unbearable. And so when people are at that point, that's the best thing you could do for them is plant that seed of time and that concept of, hey, let's just see. 
your world doesn't exist around this moment right now. There is a future around the corner called two, three years from now. And we may imagine a seed of where we can look back at this time and reflect on this moment. Now, I did that to a friend of mine who owns 30 restaurants. COVID happened. He's now got 11. And I said, right in the peak of his adversity, I said, mate, I can't wait to come down there. He's in the Philippines. I said, I can't wait to come down there, catch up on how you've pivoted, how you've changed, how you've grown from this experience and how you've bounced back from this experience. And he said, Chris, thanks to your conversation, I was looking forward to getting through that adversity and that conversation kept me going through that biggest challenging moment. And now here we are having that conversation two, three years later. And I can tell you, I'm down to 11 restaurants from 30, but I'm more profitable. I've got better staff. I'm more happier. I'm now gearing up to go to 200 restaurants. Wow. Yes. And sometimes people don't have support and that's the other side of it. And that's mm. why we have this show and we, where, where we talk, because where some people don't, they don't, they're not good at, they feel like they're overtaxing other people. And so having on your own time, you can seek things out and get a, a support system through our stories. And, and the liberated healer was actually formed by the idea of putting out positive content to support people in all these different mind, body, and spirit categories so they can look on their own because not everybody has somebody. And especially in America, we're very, that's something that we're working towards is to build back our tribe, build back. We have a lot of people in old folks' homes that are alone and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Gina, this is so important because... In, in Australia, you don't see broken people on the street. Unfortunately, what I, I'm, in, I'm in Santa Monica, and so you see the, the, these youth that are in their prime of their life just absolutely self-destructing, exploding in front of us. I mean, it's like they've got no home, they've got no place, they've got, they're just left on the street, and they're just self-destructing uh, in front of all of our eyes. And it's a very sad state of affairs. And uh, But... Um, Providing them of an opportunity and an environment to know there's a lot of people in America who care, a lot of people who want to do something about it. And, and I, I wish there was a, a very easy answer to that very complicated problem. And this is, this is exactly one type of solution and grabbing these people to know that there are other people who've gone through pain, who are broken and have been able to rebuild their lives. There is a life beyond being broken. And losing hope. I never had believed in a future until I was 32 after my first brain operation. I you, thought there's so, no point. So let's just quickly explain that. So mm -hmm. um, you were 19 and diagnosed. And what was the, mm -hmm. the diagnosis? What was it called again? It was brutal. So, so uh, I had a angiomas in my eye at the age of 16. And uh, my doctor was wondering, my eye doctor was wondering, why would a 16-year-old have angiomas? Normally, they're called tumors, like tumors in the eye. And normally people at the age of like 60, 70, 80 onwards get these things. And why was a 16-year-old getting this? And so it took them three years to identify that I had this hereditary condition. And they, went, they, they told me, look, we found, we got to get you to do these blood tests. And you're going to get these results from the blood test from the specialist doctor. So I went to the specialist doctor and, and the doctor looked at me and said, Chris, we've got good news and bad news. Yeah, right. What's the good news? The good news, we found the reason for your, for your tumors in the eye. I go, okay, great. What's the bad news? 
Well, yes, well, the bad news is it's a hereditary condition called von Hippolinda syndrome. You're going to have cysts and tumors all over your body. Some are cancerous, like around your kidneys. Uh, we don't know much about this condition back then. We, know, we do know that the life expectancy is short, probably 30 years. So you're going to have probably a short life, mate. You've probably got cancers right now and tumors that so you don't even know it. Yeah. All the best. Have a great day. Oh. I wasn't left any support, no information. I was just off you go. Yeah. And, and then you decided, and then you had, what was the first brain surgery that you had to have? 30, 32. So okay. when I got diagnosed, I cried for two weeks. I tried to explain my diagnosis to other people. Nobody understood what I was saying. and I couldn't relate to anyone with this problem. It was my problem. So I thought I'd do what every other 19-year-old person would do with such an overwhelming, challenging problem. I and would ignore so, it. Yeah, I still have it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's hereditary. My dad had it. It's been passed down generations. It explained a lot of things because, Gina, none of us knew why our, in particular, men in our family line were dying young. Most men were dying 40s, some 50s. My dad lived the longest, 68. He, he became the first uh, grandfather in our family line. No, 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 no son had ever lived long enough to be a grandfather. Wow. For over, I don't know, 300 years that we could go back. So my dad was the first. And now I'm living at a time of life where my diagnosis and life expectancy for this condition is is in parallel existence. So yeah. it was up to 30 years old when I got the diagnosis at 19. As I get close to 30, actually I exceeded 30. I, I went to 32 and almost died because of my first brain tumor that almost burst in my head. The 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 diagnosis uh, the hereditary condition got moved to an average life expectancy of like 40. And then as I get close to 40, moved to 50. Uh, so it's now 52 and I'm, I've just turned 50 and I think they're going to move it soon to 65. So uh, thanks to uh, MRIs, keyhole surgeries, uh, more and more advances and technologies and a new drug that I'm on that puts a pause on my hereditary tumors. All of these are providing me a, a longer life expectancy. Oh, wonderful. And uh, did you feel a shift in your spirituality or your connection as a spirit uh, versus when you first found out from when you were a kid or did that kind of your perspective change at all or did that take a long time or no look uh, I, I loved God in my life at the age of 25 and uh since then I've been transformed but my so I've had I've had I've had a total eight near-death experiences over 50 years that I've bounced back from and so some of the early ones uh, uh, that, that didn't really make an impact on me, but the later ones transformed me. So when you have a near-death experiences, a lot of people like might have a heart surgery and come out of that still the same. And they go, what? I nearly died, but I didn't have a near-death experience that everyone talks about. <laughs> so, so I can relate to these people to say, listen, not all of them can transform you. The ones that transform you are the ones that you get out of that experience and wake up and go, everything's reset. Like, your heart's reset, your mind's reset, your, you question everything, your worldview, your assumptions, everything you hold true, everything is reevaluated. And unfortunately, from those experiences, and I say this unfortunately in a tongue-in-cheek way, but it's a good way, you become spiritually more sensitive, whether you like it or not. You can't help it. 
because you cross over the other side. And when you cross over the other side, first thing you, you become aware of is that one, your consciousness and awareness continue to exist. Why do you continue to exist? You are out of your body. You are not present. You're in a dark void, but yet you are consciously alert. So when you close your eyes, you want to know that left death and life coexist. Just simply close your eyes. Go past the consciousness, the thoughts, the physical being presence of sensation. Go into the dark void. Observe yourself being the observer then. That's the same when I pass over. That's the same experience. I'm in that space, but it's like that's the total void experience. Uh, yeah. So that's why I, I, I can't help it, but go, man, like whatever I do right now, I'm in this biological form. I'm right here, right now. I can move my body. I can, I can speak. I can do something. I can manipulate, create, design. We could all do this. Because when we pass away, no one knows what's on the other side, but we do know one thing. We are still present. We are still conscious in, in some way. Like we still exist, which is, I don't know. I can't explain it, but it's happened to me more than more than most. So, and when we actually have the, our consciousness, I believe continues. But when we're here in, in a physical body, we can make changes. We can oh, yeah. we can contribute, and we can we can decide how we want to evolve every every single day. We have a choice, which is when we are on the other side, we don't really have as much choice to make mm. to make karmic changes or to embrace an oh. old. Uh, something that would bother us before and maybe transmute that into something positive and things like that. So actually staying here in the physical body as long as possible and doing, doing good with it for ourselves first. And then outwardly, you know, it, that's how, you know, what we talk a lot about on the show. So have you had any, um, can you explain any other, what, you know, did you see when you had the other more transformative ones? Did you see anything on the other side or, or feel anything on no. the other side? Well, you didn't have that kind of near. No, nah, no. So, I mean, uh, so one of them, uh, I got overdosed by morphine after waking up in an eye surgery. And the finger, uh, the, the, the heart monitor was on my finger and it flat white. And, uh, and I, I, could, I couldn't move my head because my, pretty much my heart rate stopped. And I, I just moved my eyes slightly before everything went white. And I noticed that the thing, that the thing was on my finger still. And then everything went white. Uh, I remember like, Hey, I remember I went to a different time dimension and I could feel this out of body experience. And I remember going to him and say, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. It's my sister's wedding. So that was at 25, but the, the big one at, uh, 44 at 2016 was the worst where I was in coma state for five days and I was, I call it the valley of death where I crossed over and I was there for quite a while. And yeah, wow. I was at that point where I was having a conversation with someone on my left where I was saying vividly like this, I don't remember what the words were, but we were in this communication where somehow nothing was spoken, but we were communicating where if I don't return my back to my body, I won't ever be able to get back to life. And then my father passed away four months earlier and he was vividly there like over my, 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 on my right side, panicking, pleading with me and somebody to get me back. And so I was like, all right, all right, yeah, all right, I'll go. And then bang, I'm back in my body. And then I woke up to a nightmare where I'd rather die from than continue. But my wife said, Chris, it's better for you to be dead, but not for me. We'll get through this. So she saved my life. You're wonderful. Oh, 
that is really, he was panicking on the other side. He knew it wasn't your time. And look, this is why I'm always obligating myself because I'm bargaining with my life all the time to, so when I, every time I bargain for my life, I'm doing something in return that's noble. Uh, so the first time I bargained for my life, I said, God, give me 10 more years of life with my original kidney. I'll employ thousands. That's how I started my remote staff company. I've employed 8,000 plus people. And now in 2017, actually, because a year after my brain operation, the second time, I was fighting uh, for my life again a year later after learning how to walk and talk uh, for eight months. Uh, I had eight. Uh, I had six cancers on my left remaining kidney to take, and they exploded in growth. And so now I'm living on half a kidney. And again, I pleaded five days after the operation. I said to the doctor, because I know it's never with the doctor, it's always with God. <laughs> Doc, give me another 10 years of life and I'll inspire millions. Because you know what? I, I wrote this book for my sons so that they know who their father was because I thought I was a dead man again. But you know what? I'm going to inspire millions. I'm going to go public with this story and I'm going to share these distinctions and lessons that help me always bounce back stronger, wealthier, more driven, more happier. And every time I bargain for my life, there's two things that come to my awareness all the time. One, Chris, your life is like Disneyland. Go back, enjoy all of the life experiences you want to have, but just make it cleaner, Look, make it better than what you left off and uh, just make a big impact as much as possible. And that's it. So it's about, it's all our lives. We are all so interconnected. So ourselves and how we treat ourselves is the first most important thing. Everything you observe, everything you see needs to be respected by you in your head. Do not do something and think you get away from it without you as the observer are observing your behavior. So, so inspire you first before you yeah. can inspire others. Change you first before you change the world. Become a better version of you before you help others become a better version. It's a very simple formula. I can only imagine how you know wonderful of a culture you have at your company as well. Because if the people at the top have compassion and you're really there, you're trying to, of course, you have to do business stuff and work stuff. And there has to be all kinds of different balances and checks with thousands of people. But when there is something that happens, a company like that, they, they build a culture of embracing each other and in, in it to win it together. And I think that's a culture that needs to change, especially in America with the corporations and people suffering through, you know, they just wanted a job and it's turned out to be very hard life in, and it's not being managed in the kindest of ways or things like that. And I think that's also that's a, a lesson for all of all of us to learn, but we, we make better products when we're happier people. We, we have better, whatever we're making or contributing those people. It's like a drop in a water. It just makes it all better. So. Look, I can't blame the large companies. They're, they're systems at the end of the day, the larger the business, the, the more of a system and infrastructure you need. The team culture and the companies, they really work hard to obviously uh, have their staff happy and, 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 and whatever. And I understand the difficulty and the complication that happens as you get a bigger company. Uh, but and, and in America, uh, like uh, there are 30 million businesses and 15 million are large, over 1,000 staff. So there's a lot of large companies out there. And a lot of these companies, therefore, are systems and structures. And a lot of them generally do care mostly about their bottom line because they're in a battle, battle of survival. 
And so when your bottom line is everything, who cares about <laughs> anything else? Uh, when you're in that category and you're spending so many, so much money. So I can, I have empathy with them. So I'm not blaming them. Uh, this is what I recommend to anyone who's in a job that uh, did not get fulfillment and satisfaction. First, recognize one thing, accept the reality you're in, embrace it without bias, just see it for what it is. Two, accept responsibility. Do not blame your bosses. Do not blame the companies. Ex 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 accept responsibility because that's self-empowerment right there. If you could do those two things, you need to self-empower yourself. You need to empower yourself to grow out of this, to understand what are your true desires in, in what you're looking for in the job, in the fulfillment, in what, how you want to create, express, contribute in this world, in your community, in your life, in your society, in your family. When you can take, when you can see response, the world as it is, without biases, and you can take responsibility for it, you will then have the ability to know what your next step should be. Most biggest challenges for people is doubts and insecurities. And most of those doubts and insecurities happen because they're running away from a problem in life. When I started running away from my diagnosis, I had the first brain tumor at 32. I lived a life as a victim for that time, a victim. I was broke financially. I never succeeded in anything. I kept starting things of failing or, or, or starting and getting disheartened and, and starting something else again, never finishing anything, even if it's successful. Because I was running away from my diagnosis, I had no idea that that behavior would make me run away from so many other things. So those two things I just mentioned a moment ago is what constantly helped me bounce back and flourish. So being a, the difference between a victim mindset and a self-empowered mindset is like a narrow, like fine knife. It's a tilt from the left to the right. Yeah. And that's all it is. Running away from life, you're a victim, whatever it is. And as a victim, you've got doubts and insecurities in your life, whether you like it or not. If you're self-empowered, there are no more doubts, no more insecurities. Isn't it funny how when, you, when you're empowered, you've got clarity, you've got drive, you've got power behind you. What do you think the most wealthy, happiest people in the world, in our societies, have complete clarity all the time? True. They know what they're doing. They nice. know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for giving us that advice. I think that is great advice for the masses. Yeah. Because um, it is, like, you it is easy to kind of just look down on your situation at the moment, but you were saying embrace it no matter where you are, take your part of your responsibility, whatever that is. And then if you're really not enjoying it, make plans to do something else, but to not be in that victim mindset, that's a good, that's a good message. I think. Look, we're all creatures of God, are we not? Oh, yes. It's all in us. Yeah. We've got to see the greatness in every one of us. And it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to whoever that energy is to become the best version of ourselves. I think we all know that, especially in America. And I love Americans for that. I yeah. love how everyone strives to become the best version of themselves. And I know everyone needs answers. But this psychological stuff that I'm referring to and is it's all about self-empowerment first and foremost. Because self-empowerment, wow. So I lived the year, 13 years as a victim of my hereditary condition and, and all that that comes with it. And I live as a self-empowered individual for 17 years. I'm worth tens of, tens of 20, whatever, millions of dollars. I was broke. I'm significantly more happier driven. I know what I'm doing. I'm going all in. I'm confident. I'm always confused. I'm always doubtful. I'm always, this, the behavioral, the, the behavior in these two environments are so damn different. 
Mm-hmm. I write about that in my book. I explain it fully uh, because it's part of my five life lessons, uh, which I talk about. <laughs> oh, this sounds. This was like a really big journey for you to put on paper. Six years. Yeah. yeah. And it was really fun to get into it. And then you talk about getting into your your family and embracing life to the fullest. And I really appreciated that. Oh, it's amazing to do, to, to live life to the fullest after being broken so many times. Yeah. After losing hope so many times. After always fighting uh, an unsecure. I've been living with uncertainty for 30 years. Yeah, I mean, you were in the hospital at one point for nine months. Uh, no, no, it, it was a rehabilitation for eight months. Uh, yeah. But I was in hospital for two weeks, the longest. At, at age seven, when the appendix burst. <laughs> all, of the, all of the times they kept kicking me out of hospital. And then when I get kicked out of hospital, I, I was even uh, brought once into a rehabilitation center where they didn't even allow me to go back home. They said, you're too broken. You've got you to be in a re- rehab center, which then me and my wife escaped. Oh, wow. Well, I, is there anything else you think that we should touch base on that you, a messaging that you would like to get across? Look, I, I would, I would love to address those that are physically a liberated healer. That's a person that's broken and has rebuilt their lives. It's taken me many adversities to recognize just how strong I really am. And same with everyone else out there. You have to recognize that when we get broken and we rebuild our lives and we carry on and we dare hope that the best is yet to come around the corner, we have to understand one thing, that the future is a concept. Nobody knows the future. No one knows. It's been thousands of years of generations of lives that have come before us and nobody knows the future. No one can see in the crystal ball. So stop pining to a future that's out there dictated or driven by somebody else, stop seeing the worst scenario out there because it's our choice. So so since the future is just a concept, why not choose to see the best around the corner? And when you do, then you can choose to see a stronger version of yourself. It's fascinating when we just shift our perspective to see it that way. It's equal. Whether you believe that a shit future ahead of you or disaster or you've got no hope, or whether you've got all this hope and hope is power. Having clarity and, and recognizing your strength is power. The more, the more I go through these negative experiences, the more I go through this onion layer experience and the more deeper, deeper to the core of who I really am comes out. And yeah. the more of who I really am comes out is stronger. Therefore, the more we can all become who we truly are in this world, the more powerful we are, the more stronger we are, the more of an impact we can make to our families, our lives, our societies, and so on. So I, I, yeah. I wish everyone the very best to heal. Heal. I love it. And each time you get through each thing in your life, you're just a little bit stronger. And you have that experience with you. And it's almost like you can just see that strength growing and pat yourself on the back and just say that you're doing a good job. And and, and dream, yeah. dream, please do not yeah. settle for, do not settle for status quo. You're not getting out of here alive. We're not getting, why do we settle? We're not getting out of here. So 
you're, you're, we are all in Disneyland right now in, in this world. And, and we, it's our, if we're not in a Disneyland, if we are not uh, overwhelmed with joy and happiness in our natural state, there's something wrong that we need to address. We've got to stop running away from it because if we constantly run away from these things, we keep being a victim. You see the cycle? Yes. And you, look what you've been able to do. I mean, I don't know how many thousands of people that you're, you're employing and you have a great business and you're a CEO of, and you could have laid down your guns and said no more. And, you know, which a lot of people do. And we understand that too, but this is all about what you said, dreaming, hoping, get through it. Seeing seeing how far you could go, seeing how much of a contribution you can make. And for me, after all these near different experiences I've had, I'm just striving to be always worthy of always returning back to life. I'm just, you know, just standing upright for me is a miracle. Like I recognize that it took me many months of rehabilitation to learn how to stay upright without my body. You know, a dead person can't sit on a chair that collapse. Yeah. And, is, and so the muscles, you need muscles. And it's, I know that. I know the, the energy required and the effort required to walk, uh, to breathe, to talk. With, this is how my left side works. 50 yeah. years of movement, okay. 70 years of movement. Oh, I see a total difference. Yeah. When just kind of goes, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I've just learned how to type. Uh, you can see that after five years of practice. Uh, oh, wow. Like I jumped in, after my brain operation once, I jumped in the pool after learning, after swimming all my life. I almost drowned because I couldn't control my left side of my body and I almost drowned in a pool. I, was, I couldn't swim anymore. I've had to relearn everything. You just, just imagine walking, wow. running. Uh, I still can't ride on a bike because my balance got affected. I'm still nursing all these adversities, but I don't, I don't do self-pity. I, I just. And you know what? Can we just give a shout out to all the wonderful doctors and nurses that are, I mean, they're just wonderful. They do what they do for people on a daily, walking in those rooms and when they're kind of, and just bringing in they're the saving, laugh, they're saving the lives laugh. all the time they just they bring in the light and the laughter and they're just doing it on us every single day and just love to like come up and give them a shout of love and come yeah. and, and thank you there's so many people they save every year and i understand some some pass away some don't make it i understand it's just the way it goes uh but those that do survive some of them do become empowered individuals and some of them uh, are striving always to be worthy of the opportunities that they ha- were the facilitators of to make happen. Well, we wish you all the best in the world and your continued recovery. We, oh gosh, cannot wait to see how well your uh, remote staff does in America as well as it's done where it's been. And, and thank you for helping so many people get employed in jobs that really need it especially with a culture that you do bring to the company. And thank you for sharing your stories in the near-death lessons. This is available on Amazon. And we will link everything into the chapter below so you can find Chris or comment or leave a message. And I think awesome. that's about it. Uh, thank you very much for having okay. me on your show, Gina. <laughs> now, <laughs> See bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. 
Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support. Podcast.